0: Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today I'm doing something a little different. I'm talking to two readers and book lovers who turned their passion for books into a livelihood and a life. Stefan Bright-Bezilitis from Stefan's Books and Tim Thomas from Dimic Subiaco join me from different parts of a semi-socially distant birth to talk about how the times are affecting uh, book selling. Hello, Stefan. Hello, Jonathan. And hello, Tim. Hello. How are you both? How are you surviving these crazy times?
1: One day at a time, really.
0: Yeah. And how about you, Tim? How are things in in, in your neck of the woods?
2: Pretty good. We didn't get hit as near as hardly as anyone else. We're exhausted, though.
0: (laughs) I can believe it. Well, let me ask to sort of like dive in. Uh, maybe start, I'll start with Stefan, then I'll come to you, Tim, in a second. Stefan, how did you get started in bookselling? Because I think when I met you, you were cooking.
1: Um, yeah, I was uh, Yeah, trying to do a, a little catering thing, but I got a job working part-time in an uh, independent bookstore, science fiction bookstore called Supernova, when um, pretty soon after I moved to Perth uh, while I was at university and then discovered along the way that I preferred bookselling. Uh, much more than I preferred uh, psychology, anthropology, and (laughs) kind of shifted careers in a direction which is probably a little bit atypical,
2: but has um, kept me doing something I love ever since.
0: And how about you, Tim?
2: I was working as a butcher and witnessed a fairly horrific accident and was horrified at the response and decided to take a running leap at the first job that would take me, which was working as the stock receiver at Dimmocks Garden City. And I've never really left since then.
0: Now, I, I guess to kind of join up your story, because listeners wouldn't know, you guys, I guess, both worked at Dimmick's Garden City at the same time. Would that be right?
1: No. No, I worked for Dimmick's and Carousel. Dimmick's Carousel. Uh, it's all Dimmick's. Although there was there was a friendship between the two stores because they're mm. both very um, high-performing chain stores that had a very community-focused, almost indie feel.
2: Yep, and Stefan was the one who kept winning the awards we wanted.
0: <laughs> so tell me, and I might sort of take this again one at a time to make it a little bit simpler because because you know we're doing this long distance. Um, maybe I'll start with Stefan, um, and then I'll come over to you, Tim. You've you've worked in change. You have worked as, as an indie. Do you think there's any in, you know like inherent difference between the two, or do you think it's something that's uh, uh, imposed from the outside?
1: Um. I think there there can be a difference. Um, a, a chain store has a framework, a model of the way that they do business, and if the company is a uh, company store prop, um, set up where you you have to follow that. And I worked for Borders for a while, who are you know every store is the same, exactly the same. Um, but if it's a franchise model, then the stores are as varied as the people who own them. So. You can have a chain store that looks like a carbon copy of most of them, or you can have something that's distinctly um, original. And then working for an independent means you pretty much have to make up your own structure by definition because you don't have anyone with a plan. And so every independent is unique because someone sat at the counter and went, we're going to need to figure out how we make things look rather than look up a plan and tweak that. Every bookstore is staffed by people, and they can be as passionate mm. or as indifferent. Mm. Um, so that, that there's a there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, but what it comes down to is ultimately, it's the people that you look to across the counter to determine whether or not it's a place that you feel welcome. So.
0: Yeah. And how about you, Tim? Uh, what what has your your experience been?
2: It's the same. I get to see a lot more of the franchise stores than Steph does. And some of us are straight copies of the company stores with not a lick of independence. And then you get some of the other ones where I walk in and go, Ooh, this is nice. I've not seen this. I'll have that. And hell, I did my own time working for Steph and I know that feeling of, I want the thing, but how do I make it happen? Whereas the franchise owner, I can go, I want the thing, has someone else already worked it out? Well, okay. Let, let's talk about this. Steph, uh, because
0: I, I want to ask you the same kind of question uh, to, because I think that there's a, a, a nubbin in here somewhere, and that is, first of all, Stefan, when you finished working at Chains and you went to to open Stefan's books, what was the driving idea behind what you were doing? What did you think you were going to do that might make it different?
1: Well, I think... The, the big thing that I found was limiting in chain stores was that I had to regularly explain what I wanted to do to somebody who didn't do what I do, who didn't understand the relationship between um, people and books and people and bookstores. And so sometimes the explanation is something kind of nebulous. You can look at something and you go, this is just going to be cool. People are going to like this. Which people? Well, just people, just trust me. And also the ability excuse me to um, make a decision on the fly, to look at something and go, yeah, that's, that's something I can run with. It doesn't look like it's viable, but I know I can do it. I know I can make this interesting. I can, I can have fun with this. And you can't do that in a chain. I mean, I miss the camaraderie. I miss my colleagues. I miss the people I used to work with. But I, I wanted to be able to think of something, plan it out, do it, and not have to justify it or explain it to somebody who had the ability to kill it without even understanding it. Sure.
0: And for you, Tim, because you have your own DIMMIC store, you've you've come from a DIMMICS, you've worked at an Indie with Stefan, and now you're in your own DIMMICS. What was the driving thing for you in going into that space? And how have you been trying to make it your own?
2: The driving thing pushing me into that space is I know my weaknesses. I... I'm an utterly terrible marketer, and with Dimmicks having their own marketing department, that covers me for that one. But for what franchise owners can do, we are given enough rope to hang ourselves with. We can succeed with our own ideas or we can fail with it, but that's wholly up to us. And as anyone who's seen across the last couple of years, I've done things that have worked, and I've done things where I've walked away with no eyebrows and my face covered in blasts.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Let me ask you this because I've been in both of your stores. I've enjoyed shopping in both of your stores. And certainly, I guess, Stefan, because I've known you longer, we have been friends for a long time. Um, What is it that makes it about walking into a bookstore in the morning that's yours that makes it exciting and worth doing? Because certainly, again, in Stefan's case, I've seen you striding off to work and you're quite eager to get there. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Look, there's um. I guess the, the the easiest way to explain it is years ago when I was working in Borders and we had the uh, the final Harry Potter book was coming out, and so the store was festooned with posters with the launch date and saying what time would be open, you know, midnight open, all of that sort of stuff. And people would come up to me constantly and they'd ask, "When's the next Harry Potter Harry Potter book arriving?" Even though there were signs everywhere. And I tell them and get them all enthusiastic. And um, one of the regular customers came up to me and said, Don't you get outraged? Don't you get angry that people keep asking you this question? And I thought, Well, no, because each person only asks me once. And it's that that's the thing that I love about what I do is that I do the same thing every day, but I do it with so many different people. It's not the same thing. Every interaction, every moment, is unique and I get to just have this amazing thing just keep happening in different ways and so everything about it from the catalogues to the returns to the bookkeeping to the ordering even the dusting um, it just it just never gets boring because it's always fresh and it's always new
0: so you never really left left anthropology or uh, psychology at all then
1: actually a lot of stuff that I was interested in, that drew me to those disciplines in humanities and science, actually turned out to be, you know, personal passions that I I, I can't say that I use, you know, much of what I learned at university. But the stuff that interested me about people yeah. still does.
0: Yeah. And how about for you, Tim? You have a, a bookstore that is not an average, you know, Jim's chain bookstore. I've been in it. It's a really good, strong general bookstore. So what is it that that excites you when you walk in the door in the morning? Are you striding out, excited to get there, or thinking that, here we go again?
2: Striding out to be excited to be there. I'm currently missing doing deliveries in the morning because it was an awesome way to start my day. And I think Stefan summed up really well the same reasons why I do my job. I love talking to people about books. I love having that moment where someone asks, is the new book coming out? And you can go, yes. Yes. Yes, it is, and here's the date.
0: <laughs> so I guess it's reasonable, then, to say to ask this. I mean, these have been tough times, and, I mean, you, I think you presaged at the top of the conversation, Tim, that maybe not as bleak as they could have been. But from your two different perspectives, again, um, how are things going? I mean, we are four or five months into a difficult time. Here in Australia, it's a particular version of things. How are things going in your indie world, Stefan?
1: um it's uh things are getting better it's it's on the mend um one of the the things about my store that is an advantage some of the time is we have a central city location so a lot of my regulars work in the city um we keep the kind of hours that mean that people can swing past on their way after work on the way to the bus or the train and get something to read for their commute Um, People come in and visit us at lunchtime. In fact, I know we've got quite a lot of people who will scarf down a sandwich or something quickly so that they can spend 40 minutes wandering through the store talking about stuff and looking for stuff that's cool and interesting. The problem with that, with the, the pandemic, is that people working from home and all of this sort of stuff, they're quite away from the city. A lot of my regulars don't live close to the store. They commute to the city, and so every day they are close to me when they're working but not generally. Um, I've been incredibly lucky that a lot of my regulars decided to continue their relationship with phone orders and mail orders and that sort of stuff. They made a very special point of it, but a city location is not great when loads of people are working from home, so we took a hit. But, you know, things are opening up again, things are things are improving, and, and it's, it's looking positive. It's still a struggle, but, you know, we're getting there and, and certainly not going to give up anything soon. Yeah.
0: And Tim, you're in a fairly affluent inner suburb in Subiaco. How are things in the chain world? I mean, have you been able to adapt to to what's happening?
2: I was lucky. I was bracing for a big recession to hit in May. And when COVID happened, it was the same plan either way. But I'm the opposite to Stefan. All the customers, for me, my regulars are local. They live near my store. So when everyone got quarantined at home... I may have lost the people who commute into Subiaco, but all the ones who live in Subiaco are now there seven days a week. So my sales in particular sections died, and others went through the roof to the point where I just ran out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it balanced out in a way I haven't seen happen for a lot of other stores.
0: For both of you, are you finding the changes that publishing has been forced to go through? Uh, a real challenge. I mean, publishing is going around rescheduling books just as movies are being rescheduled. And, you know, the, the key to, to to enthusing people to come back into bookstores if they're not enthusiastic is new books. So is that having an impact on you both? Stefan, first maybe? Yeah, yeah okay. actually
1: it is. Um, there is a, um, particularly with what I do, because we're a specialist um, and because our the regulars you know, come in for the, the next fix of something cool. Sometimes without even really any conception of what it is, they're just going, you know, impress me, blow me away. So not having that constant flow of, of new and interesting things to hand people is uh, is a challenge. Um, we've been pretty lucky that um, uh, my, my staff, I my, have a staff member, Sarah, and um, she and I have been working through the stock that we have and doing a lot of a lot of sort of retrospective stuff. You know, here's stuff that's six months old, but, you know, you didn't get it when it came out. It, it hits your sweet spot. But certainly there's been a thing. For me, it was events. Um, I like to do events. I like to do in-store things and signings and meetups in the pub and um, interviews in the pub and, and, you know, different sorts of things. And I had an event planned for just about every, every month of the first half of this year. And they're just gone. And, you know, every one of those... Is a, is a great opportunity to showcase the store and it's a great opportunity to make sales and, you know, you just can't do it. And I don't fault anybody for not wanting to attend them. You know, no one should put their health at risk, but it,
2: it's a, it's a thing. How about for you, Tim? We're starting to hit into that same thing. I've got a vastly broader stock base than Stefan, so it's cushioned me a lot better. Yeah, But I am genuinely starting to notice that the new releases are not coming through. And for retrospectives, I have a different customer base. Mine are a lot of boomers. I looked back to what they were reading when they were teenagers. Yeah. So there's a lot of Jack Higgins, a lot of Alistair McLean suddenly appearing on my shelves. The old Lynn Dightons are packed. Oh, yeah. Georgia he- oh, I'm going to butcher her name. Heitmeyer? Heitkayer? That's the one. Thank you. Sorry. I butcher her name every time. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. like
1: Yeah, the date Dayton reissues were very, very, very pretty. I got a few of them myself. Not a big thing for me, but I looked at them and thought, yeah, someone's gonna make a killing on these. I'm glad it's you. Yeah,
2: many copies of a Chris File. But like with Steph, I miss my book clubs. Yeah. We were hosted in a library and that's closed. And I really do miss watching nine-year-olds shred a text for not having decent gender biases in it. Or equality. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I guess the greatest misunderstanding in some ways about all of this is book consumption, reading, is inherently a so – it's a, it's an isolated event. You sit down and you have a relationship with the text. But what you both do is an inherently social thing, isn't it? It's not just a straightforward retail transaction. It's creating a space, whether it be one that specializes in science fiction and fantasy and horror and crime or one that's a general bookstore that maybe brings in a a broader batch of things. It's really about connecting with people and then connecting people with stories.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that um, I'm sure uh, Tim would agree with is that community, the stores, and this is for all small businesses during this period, the the businesses that have a relationship with their customers and have a sense of community, I think are the the ones that have have managed to sort of get through because – People want to continue those relationships. You know, reading is a solitary kind of hobby. But talking about books is something that people are very passionate about once they've read them. So, yeah, it's, it's – um, the social part has been hard for me yeah. because um, I are had awesome. days and days and there are no people. Yeah. But um, I started making short videos just to so had someone to talk to. So,
0: <laughs> Well, let me ask you both this, since we are doing it. seem to be doing it tonight, in order, I guess – you're both book people, right? You've become book people through your you know at some point in your life. Do you remember the moment you became went from being something else, maybe a reader to being a book person?
2: I do. Yeah,
0: well. I would love to hear
2: it. So, for context, I was completely and utterly illiterate until my 10th birthday. So, Attention, Deaf, Learning Disorders. Then someone got me the first Harry Potter for my birthday. And I had the first chapter done 30 minutes later. I mean, I butchered the words and had to go back and reread it more than once. But that is the exact moment where I transitioned from being someone who could not read and had never read to someone who would devour any piece of literature left in reach. Yeah.
0: That
2: was about 8.30 on the 13th of March in 2000. Wow.
0: That is very specific, and it must make this, these times very challenging for you with the way J.K. Rowling is being seen in the world. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near that. Fair enough. I don't think that's necessary. How about you, you Steph? Yeah. I mean,
1: I feel like I, I've always known you through a haze of books. There's, there's. I guess there are there are two separate events. There's the. I think that the most um, that the happiest moment of my entire childhood. When I was about, I think it must have been about six or seven, um, one of my aunts worked for Puffin Australia at the time. And um, I lived in Sydney and she lived in Victoria. And one Christmas, a box, like a proper book box, you know, like the sort you of get in the stores, arrived um, from her and it had a bunch of seconds in it. So every book in it was in some way imperfect, so it couldn't be sold. But she checked the text was all right. And there was like... 50 or 60 books in there and it had Tove Jansen and it had Jack London and um, oh, I don't know. it just was an amazing selection of books and it literally was, it took me until I was maybe 10 or 11 to get to the point to read them all. So I read like Man of the Iron Mask and all that stuff and, and that's like the, the happiest moment of my entire childhood was being given an entire box of books and saying these are for you and then the the book person thing probably didn't hit me until I was working at, at Dimix. And i have been working at an independent supernova for about six years and then I went to DIMMICS and, and there was a point at which I realised that I had a book behind the counter with 150 people's names in it with lists of the things that they were interested in and I would then spot things for them. And one of my regulars awesome. uh, sent yeah. a friend in who said, oh, I'm like, you know, Nikki's friend. And she said, you're just her book guy and you'll just give me something I'll love. And that was the moment I went, yeah, that's what I am. That's, that's who I am. I'm your book guy. You just you just come to me and go, I want to be happy, and I will make that happen. And that's kind of, that was an epiphany for me. And then a little bit after that, I, I won a national award for it and kind of went, yeah, this is, I could happily do this forever.
0: And hopefully you will. Let me ask you... Both this, maybe starting with Tim, what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding casual book buyers and readers, people out there who've got no familiarity with bookselling as a business, have about someone who, who owns and runs a chain bookstore like you do?
2: I honestly, there isn't one single thing. The biggest I run into is people assume I'm staff and not the owner. (laughs) The number of times I've run into, I know your boss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I guess that's a really important thing, because you go to Stefan's books. I mean, not to make you sound egotistical, Stefan, but it is called Stefan's books. And Dimmick's in Subiaco is not called Tim's books. And I understand the framework you've explained tonight why. Mm -hmm. But is that something which is let's say a little disappointing that you wish people would understand that just because it's a franchise doesn't mean it's not also your thing and your dream and you're putting your own personality into it as much as you can.
2: A lot of people do. Yeah. But there's always that run. And whenever someone says, I know your boss, it's always a thing done with malice. (laughs) Ugh. Yes. Well,
0: because the thing is, I mean, after all, there are many Dimmick stores and they're all different. And there are good ones and there are other ones. And it seems to me it's the passion of being a book. Being a book guy, the way Stefan was talking, is the thing. And it sounds like you both have that in diff- in Absolutely. your own ways. Yeah.
1: And I how think, about you? Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think possibly part of the issue why, why perhaps people might not see Tim as the owner is because he's, he's quite young too, to have his own bookstore. And, and that's, I think, awesome to, to, to get your dream and to get your passion and to get into gear early. It took me years to get mine. But... And I, I think people don't appreciate that if you find your passion early and, and you, you figure out what you want to do and you go for it, I they, they think they're expecting somebody, you know, younger. But it's not as if he hasn't spent the same amount of time getting ready for this as anybody else. So, yeah, I, I feel your pain, Tim, but, you know, I, I honestly, I, I think you're kicking ass. I think you run one of the, the most um, personal uh, chain stores I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot. So, you know, um, and yeah, you're right. People will, will diss you because of malice. And if it wasn't that, they'd find someone some other way to be unpleasant. But, uh, but yeah, you know, Tim is quite a young bookstore owner. And that's I think the coolest thing ever to just just go hard and, and sort of filling that dream. I wish I'd had the motivation to it when I was younger, but yeah. I couldn't get my shit together. Uh, and as for my branding. Actually, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. It was my designer who said that should be the brand. He was right. Or they were dealing right. Dealing with people for 20 years. That's the thing you need to tell them. He's here.
0: Yeah. Well, look, you're both book guys. You both love books. You love book dealing with book people. Uh, certainly my experience has been when I've talked about Stefan, who I've had more experience with, saying he's the guy you go to and just let him pick your books. And I'm sure there's a similar <laughs> version of that in Tim's world. So let me ask you this, because I didn't tell you I was going to say this, but I'm going to ask you this what I'm going to. It's June of 2020, what out there is filling you, what, what's exciting you as a reader right now? What are you reading at the moment? And, you know, let's start again with Stefan, so we're just going around. Stefan, is it any good?
1: Oh, wow. Um, actually, um, I'm kind of all over the place at the moment. I am, I'm currently about to do an event with uh, Sammy Shah, who is a, a comedian and a journalist, um, formerly... He was uh, he used to live in uh, Karachi in Pakistan, and now he's emigrated to Australia a few years ago. Lived in Northern for a while. So I'm, I'm working through um, his book at the moment. Um, it's a bind-up of uh, Boy of Earth, Boy of Fire, two previous novels. And it's a, just a really interesting read about... It's an urban fantasy, but it's set in modern-day Karachi with terrorism and, and violence and cultural shift and that sort of stuff, and it's, it's really powerful. But I, I'm all over the place. I mean, the thing generically that I really love at the moment is the explosion of diverse voices that mainstream publishing is really putting numbers and marketing behind. So it's not kind of midly stuff that they're putting, um, you know, Nora K. Jemison and Nnedi Okorafor and Rivers Solomon, the writers of colour, but also um, queer writers, LGBT writers, and even neurodiverse writers like Ada Hoffman. And so... I'm kind of looking at this smorgasbord of experiences that, that is just blowing me away, and everything I pick up expands, you know, my uh, my, my knowledge and, and my interest. So there isn't a single thing. It's one of the things people ask booksellers, "What's your favourite book?" And it's like, "Or oh, who's your favourite child?" <laughs> um, the answer used to be, um, uh, you know, I, I used to have this kind of sort of flippant. My favourite book is the next one, yeah. But now my answer is I can't tell you. I haven't read them all yet.
0: <laughs> How about for you, Tim? What is driving you as a reader? What's what, what? What are you encountering that's getting you
2: excited? I well, Stefan was speaking. Realised I genuinely cannot name half the stuff I'm reading at the second. But at the moment, the one I'm looking forward to is Harry the Ninth, and the one I'm currently excitedly reading is Murder on the Orient Express. That's the Kids Book Club's next one, and I'm genuinely curious to see what they do with it. Beyond that, I'm currently binging through a lot of romance books. I may have procrastinated a bit too long on catching up in that genre, and now there is no escaping it.
1: <laughs> it's the well, country cousin, isn't it? Romance gets, uh, gets a lot of unnecessary stick. There are people doing really good work within the romance genre. And, and having their, their genre dismissed as if it's it's without value, when, like any creative endeavour, there's tremendous work and ordinary work all within the same sort of field. It's, uh, Absolutely I've made true. A book of the last 12 months, probably, was the little novella by uh, Max Gladstone and Amal al yeah. um, This is How You Lose the Time War, which is a romance <laughs> done as a series of letters between two women time travellers, and it's sublime and... You have a good little blub at the end. It's glorious.
2: Yeah. It was that one and A Memory Called Empire that got me diving back into romance. Those two both come out of my sci-fi shelves.
0: Mm. These things tend to overlap a lot more than readers often give them credit for when they begin to getting pay too much attention to taxonomy and not enough attention to story. Absolutely. But look... Uh, Tim Thomas from Demix Subiaco, Stefan Braselitis from Stefan's Books in the Press CBD. Thank you both so much for joining me tonight. I genuinely appreciate it. It's been a pleasure getting to talk about the balance between an indie and a, and a, a chain store world. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me on. Thank you.